Just a few weeks ago, my brother and his wife, who live in Edmonton, were concerned about her mother. She's 81 years old, and she'd been in her home by herself, and she'd been having falls, and she had gotten two uh, cracked vertebrae, and so the uh, the ambulance was called, and and the uh, the emergency people didn't want to take her to the hospital. They said uh, it was a waste of their time. That's how they talked, and they should just take her to a nursing home, put her in a nursing home. Uh, when they found out it wasn't a stroke issue, that's how they responded. And they they said, well, they would check her over at the hospital and bring her back home. And so in the email, my sister-in-law writes, uh, basically, mom should be sent to a senior's home, and we were wasting our, their time. But because my sister and I insisted they did, and then we prayed they would really investigate as to why she was like she was. So they did take her to the hospital. She was admitted. They discovered she had a bad reaction to a drug cocktail, and she's now recovering from that experience. We'd all want to have someone to advocate for us. If we were in a situation where we could not speak for ourselves or could not act for ourselves, And the reality is that every one of us who is a follower of Jesus Christ needs an advocate to speak in our defense every time we sin. This is what our scripture passage is about in 1 John 2, 1 to 2, and I'm going to read it and we're going to sit there this morning in it and reference some other passages. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But anyone does sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Just want to ask a question off the top and let this question simmer. I don't want any nods either way, yes or no. And we're going to pick it up at the end. So here's the question. And I'm talking to people who are born again, who have accepted Christ as their Savior, and you're seeking to follow him. The question is, is it possible to not sin during a 24-hour period? Is it possible for me, for you as a believer to not sin during any given day. This text talks about three persons in the advocacy triad. There's anyone who sins, that is, any believer. There's the Father, and there's Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at these three persons as we move through this passage this morning. Of course, the Father in heaven is why we need an advocate. Because of who he is. And Jesus Christ is who the advocate is, obviously from our text. And the believer who sins is what the advocate does. And that's what we'll see in this passage. So first of all, we need a defender in heaven because of who the Father is. And sometimes we're a little bit vague about that, a little bit loose about who the Father is. We have a Father in heaven. Jesus said, that's how we are to pray, our Father, who is heaven. 
We are created to have a unique spiritual relationship with the father. He wants us to respond to him as as his child. He's talking about intimacy, interaction. The Bible describes this relationship as fellowship. And about a month ago, we spoke on this first chapter and we talked about the, the, the koinonia. Uh, this, this koinonia, this fellowship is something we possess or that we share in. It's not something we do. It's not let's have fellowship together. It's something that we possess, not an action. <clears throat> and this fellowship is, is the spiritual union and intimate bond that we have with the Father and with the Son. And how does that happen? The Father creates this, uh, uh, this and seals it at our spiritual birth. Whoever believes in the name of the Son of God, he gives the right to become children of God who are not born of any earthly means or of an earthly father, but are born by or of God. It's a spiritual birth that the Father fathers us into his family, into the kingdom of heaven. This is his work. The moment we choose to trust Christ to forgive us and give us eternal life. And Jesus at that point rescues us from the Satan's kingdom of darkness and brings us into Jesus' kingdom of light. We have a father in heaven, but we need to understand that we have a father in heaven who is holy. Verse five of chapter one talks about it. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The father wants us to live in that light. <clears throat> he wants us to live in the light of his character, of who he is, what he is like in our mind, in our thinking, as well as in our talking, in our behavior. If we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we are having fellowship with one another. We are in this intimacy relationship. It's not just something we possess. It's now something that we enjoy and experience. And this is the condition or the requirement for intimacy with the Lord and Jesus made it clear on the Sermon of the Mount that it matters what's going on in our mind as well as what's going on on the outside. You know, the law says a murderer is going to be judged. But he says, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, you're guilty as charged. Or if you are very careful with sexual relationships and you don't commit adultery, and Jesus said, well, that's not good enough. I'm talking about where it starts in here. You see, our behavior comes from what's going on in our heart and mind. And we could read many passages uh, of the call of the scriptures to stay away some, from, put behind uh, the old life, the way the world lives. It's possible for us to be sitting in worship here this morning, but living in darkness on the inside in some way. About five years ago, our oldest daughter and her husband marriage was ended. Against her choice, he chose to leave. And over the next months and a few years, it was a very antagonistic 
and abusive reaction on his part. So when you're parents, you struggle with with those kind of things on the inside, right? You can be very bitter. You can be very angry. You can you can uh, lay blame and and say things and write things. You have that choice, right? I have. We have that choice. We had that choice. So I know we're talking not about some terrible, terrible sin. We're talking about just daily living and walking in the light. How does Jesus want us to live? Living in the light is where we must be if we're going to enjoy closeness and intimacy with the Father and the Son. And this first chapter of, of John verse 1 verse 5 reminds us of that. Everything about God is absolute holiness. It's pure light. Peter writes in his first letter to the believers, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, and quoting from the, the Old Testament, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That's who the Father is. We need to have a biblical understanding of the character of God so that we love him and live for him in ways that we need to. Someone has said that God is our plumb line. Now, Jeff, you'll understand that. If you don't know what a plumb line is, uh, it's something that measures what's right up and down, perpendicular. It's, uh, see, Jesus, or the Lord is our reference point of what's right and what's wrong. The world wants to be their own reference point. It's okay to tell a white lie. Well, bring that into the holiness of God under the light. Is it? He is our authority about what is light and what is darkness. We can't be left to our own because we'll be deceived or misled. It's like the CBC radio uh, time signal. And often driving back to Paris, we'd, we'd hit it about one o'clock, you know, at the at the sound of the long whatever, it will be exactly one o'clock. And you could argue and say, my watch says it's not quite one or it's after one. Doesn't change it. Uh, it's the outside authority that determines whether our timepieces are right or not. Worldly thinking says, well, doesn't God want me to be happy? I've heard people say that to me. You know, there's, they're in a, a wrong relationship. And they said, well, don't, doesn't God want me to be happy? You maybe said that. Maybe thought that. If it feels right, if it feels good to you, then isn't that okay? So above all else, God wants us to be holy. And when we're holy, we're going to be happy. That's what Psalm 1 is about. Happy is the man you know, those three things. He stays away from all these shadowy that living in the darkness. He's making choices. And he's happy. And he's meditating day and night on God's word. And he's blossoming. So don't be concerned about being happy. Be concerned about being holy. And you will be happy. In the genuine way. So what does it mean that God is perfect light, that he is absolutely holy? The prophet Isaiah 
had a vision of God's holiness. And we've heard this many times from Isaiah 6. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the heavenly beings were around. And and there was this holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And he said, I fell down flat in my face. And I said, I'm an unclean man. I'm done. I've had it in God's presence. And that's the picture that God wants us to understand in our own heart. That's who we're dealing with. The perfect holy God. The Psalms are permeated with words that paint a picture of God's overwhelming holiness. The prophet Habakkuk spoke to the Lord about the evil of his day. Remember, he couldn't put together God's justice and the wrong that was going on the sin in the in the world. And he said, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my holy one, you who are of pure eyes and to see evil and cannot look at wrong? He understood that God is absolutely holy. Paul wrote to Timothy, God, who alone has immortality, dwells in unapproachable light. So what happens when you or I think and act and talk in a way that does not line up with God, who is light And who dwells in pure light. What happens when we step out of the light and into the shadows of darkness? Well, John lets us know that it matters in chapter 1, 6 and 10. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We're not having fellowship. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It matters about our fellowship. Yes, we are saved by grace and we are saved for eternity. That's not in question here. But what is up for question is our intimacy with God, our father child relationship. And I used this illustration last time, but think of your family and I can think of a, I can think of a, a family member in my own extended family where there is a certain family member that that says everybody else in the family is wrong and they're the only one that's right. And the rest of us can enjoy the family dynamics, but not this one. They're missing out because of the attitude they're taking. And that's what happens between us and the father. We're still his child, but there's something that happens when we sin. We step out of the light and immediately our fellowship with God is affected. It's it's interfered with. There's a spiritual distance. That joy is not there. And John is talking about an act of sin here. In our text, if anyone sins, it's grammatically written, directed by the Holy Spirit. He's talking here about an act of sin, not a pattern of sin, not a something that just goes on and on and on unbroken. He's talking about should a person and when a believer steps out of the light. He makes it clear that continuing in sin is a mark of a person who is not in a relationship. For example, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. 
whoever hates his brother. That is, whoever goes on hating his brother is in the darkness and is walking in the darkness. Does not know where he is going. And just to affirm that in chapter three, verse seven, this is so important for us. Three, verse seven. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That is, just goes on living that way. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is one who does not love his brother. So if you have any questions about that, go to George. He can pick up the pieces after I'm finished. But John is making it very clear. You know, he's writing to people in the day who live very loose lives and some of them believe that was okay. And he's saying, no, it's not okay. Because how you live is saying who you are in relationship to God. John says the children of the Father do not persist in a sin. They may be angry at a fellow believer, but they don't stay angry. But it matters whenever they do something that is not in the light. That's why it's the believer's responsibility to deal with any sin as soon as possible so that the fellowship can be renewed. It's called keeping short accounts with God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from that sin. That's why we need an advocate whenever we sin. And we have one, the only one who can do anything for us when we sin, when we step into the darkness. We have a defender in heaven who is righteous. And that's a good thing. Jesus Christ is our perfect defender. He is just, he's righteous, just as the father is, like father, like son. He is equal with the father. He is with the father. So everything about the father is what you can say about Jesus. So when it says Jesus Christ, the righteous, it is saying Jesus Christ, God, equal to the father. That's why he's the perfect defender. He's the one mediator between God and man, the only one. The only one who qualified to act on our behalf He's the one who sacrificed his life for us. He doesn't abandon us to live on our own. You know, he's gone to heaven and we're on our own. He's coming again for us. And in between, we can have confidence in Jesus, our advocate. He's our constant defender. And that's a good thing. He's our faithful high priest. Hebrews 8, 1 says, we have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He's always there. He's there for us. He has full and immediate access to the Father. He's always aware of us. He knows what we're going to say, what we're going to think, what we're going to do before we even think about it. Psalm 139. He sees every move we make, our advocate. He sees everything we look at. He knows every thought we have. He knows every emotion we experience. 
And when we step out of the light of God's presence, holiness, and into the darkness of sin, Jesus goes into action on our behalf. We have a defender in heaven whenever we sin. Now, our English word for advocate is not quite the same force of the biblical word for advocate. Because human advocates have their own agenda and they're trying to persuade what someone to do what they're asking or what they're wanting. You know, there's all kinds of lobbyists and all kinds of campaigners and crusaders. We call them advocates. There are health advocates. But my sister-in-law was her agenda was to get her mum looked after. But this is not the, the same sense here. This word is a word that's used for the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete. And it's, it's talking about the idea of someone who's called to aid a person in a court of justice, that kind of sense of it, uh, a legal assistance, an intercessor. And it, in the sense of this, I understand, is that the advocate is passive in this, that the father calls Jesus to our side to defend us. We don't call Jesus and say, Jesus, I need your help. I've sinned. The Father has assigned Jesus to be at our side whenever we sin. He's our defender. He represents us before the Father because we can't represent ourselves in heaven's court. We've no defense of our own. Because we're guilty. We can't say, well, they made me so mad that that defense doesn't hold up. All we can say is I'm guilty. And the good news is that Jesus does not leave us to ourselves to deal with any act of sin because we can't. We can't. We are as helpless as a newborn baby to do anything about when we sin, when we step out of the light. We're saved by grace, we're kept by grace, and we're represented by grace before the Father. Why does Jesus do that? Because we're his. Because he loved us to the end. He laid down his life for us. We're members of his body. We matter to him. He has invested eternity on us. He does not abandon us no matter what we do. We think that sometimes. How could God still love me? How could Jesus still care for me when I've messed up so much? There is something that happens in heaven whenever a child of God sins, that is, steps out of the light into the darkness. And it may just be internally. Nobody else may be aware of it except the child of God. One of the things that I struggle with, still struggle with, is getting a bad attitude towards certain people who irritate me. And sometimes it takes a while before I finally get it. That's a wrong attitude. You, you have no idea what that's like. <clears throat> but and then after a while, it's like the Holy Spirit makes you aware that's not right. And, and that's 
that's when we can do something about it, when we're self-aware of it. But the moment that we step out of the light, Jesus speaks to the Father for us. My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have. He's always there. The NIV version says, we have one who speaks to the Father for us. He speaks to the Father about our sin, about our step out of God's light. What does he say? What does the advocate say? He does not argue for our innocence. He does not say, oh, Father, it's okay, because he's my child. He answers for our guilt. He comes to our defense. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. The New Living Translation says, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. Jesus appeals to his own sacrifice for every and any sin that we're guilty of. Romans 8.34 says, who is he who is to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. God's justice demands punishment for our sin. But Jesus claims us for his own. And it's, it's as if he says to the father, he's mine, she's mine. I was punished for their sin. It's all paid for. Jesus is the propitiation for the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's, it's covered completely. And he continues, his sacrifice continues to cover our sins. Not that Jesus was our propitiation, but Jesus is, is and continues to be our covering. This is what makes it possible for us to keep saved and be renewed in our intimacy with the Father whenever we sin. Now picture in heaven, Jesus is interceding before us, before the Father. And I thought about this. What must Jesus think if, if I persist in my sin, whatever that sin may be? It's, it's, you know, can we hear, think of Jesus? I don't, I don't know how Jesus would respond, but I know how you and I would respond. When are you going to deal with this? When are you going to stop doing this? When are you going to change? When are you going to confess, repent? But he's interceding for us. Here's the gold standard for every believer. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He's not talking about a lifestyle that you may not be in a lifestyle. He's talking about that you may not step you know, into the darkness, an act of sin. Because he makes it clear 
a continuance, a lifestyle of sin, we're talking about someone who's in the darkness, not in the light. This is about missing God's mark, who may not sin. All have sinned and fall short or miss the mark of God's glory. That's the sin he's talking about. So if we say, well, what about this? All you have to do is say, put it in the light of God's glory. And your answer is whether it's a sin or not. Uh, he is the light. It's not according to human standards, but God's standards. God has made it possible for us. God has made it possible for us to not sin. That's what this text says. I'm writing to you so that you may not commit sin. It's not sinless perfection. This is about walking close to the Lord in our mind, in our life. Is it possible? Jesus has broken the power of sin in our life. If you read the book of Romans, especially chapter 6, we have been liberated from the from the I can't help it power in our life to the I can be free to not give in to that. We have the freedom to not have to sin. We choose to express the fruit of the spirit or the works of the flesh. If you walk in the spirit, that's walking, living in the light. Then these fruits of the spirit are going to show up in our life. But if we walk in the darkness, it's the works of the flesh that are going to be manifested in our life. It's a choice that you and I make. We're the ones that choose to sin or not sin. The Apostle Peter says this, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. <clears throat> so when our daughter and her husband ended their marriage, and we had to, even though we're a long ways away, still hear what's going on and how he's still being abusive, there's a lot of things that go around in your heart and mind. And we could choose to get all embroiled in that and fight fire with fire and retaliate. Or we could do as Jesus, who set the example for us, who when he was insulted, he did not insult back. When he was reviled, he did not return that. doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that's the pattern that Jesus set for us. That's the choice we can make. We're free to make that. It's talking about letting it go, and that's a thing you have to keep letting go day after day. Because if you don't keep letting it go, it gets a hold of you, and then you start in your spirit and in your mind getting into the darkness. So, are there things in your life that you're hanging on to? Maybe that's why you're angry. Or maybe why you're depressed. And I, I, I'm careful there. I'm not saying that's all the only reason. When we hang on to things from the past, 
We're tied to it. We're not free. It's not talking about forgetting. It's about letting go and not hanging on to those feelings or those thoughts. We have a choice. Jesus entered, or John introduced this chapter. My little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. We cha- Every day we choose to sin or not. It's our choice. It's not that Satan made me do it. He may have tempted me. He may have put a thought in my mind. But it's, it is I who respond to that. <clears throat> so here's the Lord's daily goal for us as believers. We do not have to sin today. Just for today. We're not thinking about tomorrow or a year from now. We're talking about today. That's God's daily goal for us. I do not have to sin today. I will. I may. But I don't have to. John goes on to say, whoever says he abides in Jesus. This is verse 6. Whoever says he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. <clears throat> and that's, that's the gold standard. It is possible to not sin. <clears throat> the one requirement or qualification is as we keep walking in the light. This is what God wants for each of us. If we walk in the light, verse 7 of chapter 1, as he is in the light, we are enjoying fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, keeps clean, keeps clean, cleansing us from sin. So this is what God's word calls us to. According to John, I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. This is what the Holy Spirit living in us wants. As we submit ourselves daily to the control of the Holy Spirit, we will be empowered and motivated to not sin. Walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, and you will not give in to the desires of the flesh. Let's pray together. And I would like to have us just take a moment of reflection as we think about God's word. And as we pray, thank Jesus for defending you. Just praise him that he is the one who comes to our defense whenever we step out of the light. And confess any sin that you may be aware of. Confess it if we confess. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And embrace this 
if you can embrace this in your heart this morning, in your mind, I do not have to sin today. Oh, Lord, we can't do this on our own. We don't want to attempt it, but we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us, that you are our power, you are our motivation, you are the one who who gives us the desire to stay in the light, to walk in the light. And we pray, Father, that you will fill us afresh with that desire and with the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to live as you would have us live. And we thank you for our defender in heaven. Amen.